Hi there, and welcome to Jewelry Navigator Podcast. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist from the Gemological Institute of America. I have a degree in geology, and what just made me so much more excited about working with rocks was continuing my education and really streamlining it to learn more about gemstones and jewelry. As host of Jewelry Navigator Podcast, I provide usable tips to help shoppers make informed jewelry choices while sharing the best of the industry with stories from independent jewelers and designers and sharing observations I've made along the way through my career of working with consumers. More than ever, it's important to support small independent jewelry designers and businesses. And it's my pleasure to guide consumers to smart jewelry choices through an informative and entertaining platform. For sneak peeks into upcoming episodes and features, follow me on Instagram at Jewelry Navigator. And to hear past stories and informative Jewelry Navigator podcast episodes, subscribe to Jewelry Navigator podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey there, and welcome back to Jewelry Navigator Podcast. I have received some really great feedback from the last podcast, What's in Your Jewelry Box Graveyard? And in this episode, I'm continuing on a similar theme with a guided tour of costume jewelry with my guest, Veronica Stout of Vintage Meat Modern. As you review your jewelry using jewelry clues from Jewelry Box Graveyard, or even while shopping for antique and vintage pieces, you may discover jewelry items that, while not made from precious metals or gemstones, are still fun and enjoyable to wear and easy to mix with your fine jewelry as well. Veronica not only shares how several feature and styling elements of costume jewelry offer versatility for current times, but many vintage costume collections are valuable, often commanding prices near those of fine jewelry. As a former professional personal shopper, Veronica uses her styling skills to encourage her clients and Instagram audience to enjoy vintage costume jewelry as statement pieces to enhance occasional and everyday fashion. But before I share my visit with Veronica, I want to share a couple of exciting announcements with you. First one is Jewelry Navigator is now available on Stitcher Podcasts. So on whatever platform you're listening, you can also access it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Stitcher. I think I got them all. And then secondly, I'm super excited about something that I've been contemplating for a long time. And because jewelry is such a visual part of our lives that really add to it and have so much to say about us without saying words, I've been working on a companion digital publication to the podcast called Jewelry Navigator Passport which of course I'm just super excited about. Jewelry Navigator Passport features the rich visual stories featured from the podcast with images and features to enhance what I share on the podcast, including the publication of podcast transcripts with highlights from podcast interviews. So I'll feature images from the designers as well as more details of their newest collections. 
There are interactive links within the text and images on the pages, making it easy for readers to go directly to a jeweler's or designer's website or to access a feature on a jewelry navigator platform. In fact, I'll be publishing the first inaugural Jewelry Navigator Passport, which includes Jewelry Box Graveyard Cheat Sheet, which was inspired from the last episode, What's in Your Jewelry Box Graveyard? If you want to be included and get your own passport, your own Jewelry Navigator Passport, email me at passport at jewelrynavigator.com to get on the list to receive your Jewelry Navigator Passport upon its next departure. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's podcast and subscribe for our first class experience of Jewelry Navigator with Jewelry Navigator Passport, the companion digital publication. Now for an on-time departure of this podcast, I present Costume Jewelry Treasures with Veronica Stout of Vintage Meat Modern. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. I just have to say, you look fabulous. Your you. videos and your, your Instagram feed look so good. I'm Thank so you. excited for you. Yeah. I've got some fun things that I'll be announcing up in the future. I'm doing a few okay. more professional type things with the styling like I used to do a long time ago and what seems like eons ago. So it'll be kind of a nice marriage between the jewelry and the styling, and then also getting to talk about the sustainable fashion movement. So, okay, good. Yeah. I know yeah. it's, it's all perfect timing for so many different reasons. And, um, in a minute, I'll, I'll kind of backtrack and have you tell us a quick story about yourself and how you started vintage meat modern, but I felt like um, Jewelry Box Graveyard was a really good place to fit you in. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a really long time. But um, it, in the jewelry store where I work part-time, we have more and more people coming into the store not knowing what they have. And a lot of it is inherited items. So family members who've passed and um, they bring in this jewelry and they have no idea what they have. And a good portion of it is costume, which can be good, but it's usually not what they want to hear. They want to hear that it's something valuable. But the most important thing is being able to distinguish between costume and fine jewelry. And there's such a... Um, there's such a gap in knowledge with that. And to be able to grant people a little bit of wisdom before they start digging in their jewelry box and throwing things out is so, it's so valuable. I don't disagree. So I, I personally did a little bit of both speaking. I wanted to look a little bit oh. like a graveyard. <laughs> Uh, because when I found it in this condition, it really was a, a graveyard. There's a lot of pieces here that are all costume mm -hmm. that are actually from my grandmother's collection. Uh -huh. And I didn't know the origin of a lot of the pieces at the time. I kept a lot of things just based on liking the style. But as we just mentioned, there are different ways of learning or digging through things. Mm -hmm. and finding out some really valuable information. I always like to remind people that if you have a jewelry graveyard, whether you inherited it or you kept it, 
the most important thing that you can do is give priority to the pieces that you are most connected to for whatever reason, whether you're attracted to them based on style and design, maybe it's something that you have seen before in classic old glamour Hollywood movies that you just naturally associate with a time or a fashion or an era that you love. And it can also be very closely connected to maybe remembering something that someone wore in your life. So maybe you always associate a favorite aunt with a brooch or your grandmother like me with pearls. Uh, so I always tell people that that's actually the most important part to start with. Uh, it's a benefit when you can go to a jewelry store, or I like to remind people there are even other ways of connecting with people if you want to learn a little bit more about the pieces, but you have to be a little patient with how people are going to work with you to actually give you information. We can talk a little bit about that. Okay. But it's fun. It's fun. There's a lot of fun things that go on and are very connected to it. So I love that point you just shared. Just like you said, if it's something that they love and it's important to them, that's important. If they like it and they enjoy wearing it, then that's, that's more important than the value, the actual value of it. Kind of give me goosebumps in that department because I have to remind people that that's actually the invaluable and the priceless part of it. Mm -hmm. And that even goes on to speaking about the value of costume jewelry without even associating it with the emotional side of things. Mm -hmm. We're talking about pieces that are out of production and that in itself has some sort of inherent valuableness to it. Right. The other thing is there are pieces that are prided and that are special that are not made of fine metals, but they can be very valuable. If you had someone in your life, like I did, I had an aunt who was an extremely stylish person and she invested very heavily in all areas of her wardrobe. And so like, I have this big tray of things here and, you know, certain pieces, it was later discovered that were Chanel. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. This is actually a signature piece of mine. It's something in my own collection. Uh -huh. uh, it's reminiscent of a flapper style necklace or an art deco style design. And it is a very collectible piece. This runs from any place between $1,500 and $2,000, sometimes even more online. Mm -hmm. And it's a piece of designer costume jewelry. And, that, and part of the value that goes into it is that the designer pieces, they do hold their value. So don't get shocked if you are part of a fine estate or if you had a very stylish person in your life, you may find valuable things just based on the designers alone, even if it's not made with precious metals or fine stones. So that's one thing that I really do like to point out to people. Being the way that I am and being such a fan of style and fashion and era and designers and things, I also really gravitate towards pieces that retain their value, but are also very iconic of the designers. So this is a very iconic piece. This mm -hmm. is a Karl Lagerfeld piece. I have a vintage Kenneth J. Lane piece here. And so for me, the other thing I like to remind people is that if you want to touch of that designer couture style in your jewelry box and in your wardrobe, mm -hmm. you are lucky. You are investing in pieces that will always fit you. 
as a stylist, I work with people of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, tastes, and the best part about the jewelry, even the designer jewelry is, it will fit you today, tomorrow, forever. So right. that's another thing that I really like to talk about when I talk about vintage jewelry and particularly the designer pieces. That's great. That's really good to know. So that when people do know, they do find out that the pieces that they have, they may not be made with the precious metals, but they still hold value depending on whether it's a designer piece or even um, the, the production, the production story of it. Maybe there wasn't very many of a certain item or collection made. So they're just like anything else that's collectible. It's going to be valuable. Oh, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And for someone who really enjoys being in this industry, and if you have any kind of enjoyment for the importance of collections, we all know that everything goes through trends, even mm -hmm. whatever era related to antiques goes through trends. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's influenced by what goes on in society. You know, like everybody was all mid-century modern craze when Mad Men was such a big show uh, in the jewelry industry or in my industry when people really fell in love with Downton Abbey. It was all mm -hmm. Art Deco pieces. Uh, you know, now we see Mrs. Maisel, you know, and so lots of people love the sparkly rhinestones, uh, the pieces that have a three-piece set, the earrings, the necklace, the brooch. Mm -hmm. So something to keep in mind related to value is also the trends that are going on. I would mm -hmm. never tell people to feel like because you walked in with something now that it might not be valuable in the future. We've all watched Antiques Roadshow. Right. right. And seen somebody bring in a rhinestone set. Let's use an example of a very well-known designer like Juliana or Holly Craft. And the person has the full set. They have the earrings, they have the necklace, they have the brooch, they have the bracelet. Sometimes you can see 20 years ago when rhinestones were really in style, the entire set might be worth $1,300. And now mm. in today's market, rhinestones are not as fashionable or people are not collecting them the same way. Mm -hmm. So they might be more the $750 to $900 price range. Okay. But we're still talking about costume jewelry. Right. You know, these very elegant collectible sets can be as much as a small piece of fine jewelry. So mm. There is a lot of value in digging through your jewelry box graveyard. <laughs> well, that's really good to know. I love being able to share this aspect of what might be in people's collections because they might have some meaning to them. And after finding out that they may hold value or just because someone likes it, they're going to find more and get more enjoyment out of their collection of brooches. And um, I love the long, that long chain, that long necklace you just showed. And so much of that is, is back. Um, pins, I don't, I don't think they ever go out of style. You just have to be able to have the fabric, you know, a little bit of a heavier um, fabric to, to hold them. And what's really cool about them is most of the time you can wear them as a pendant, just use the pin um, finding of it to weave it through a chain or a cord. So they have more versatility than people really may, may think about. And I'm so glad that you touched on that because I'm going to tell you two really important things. Even okay. at my own company, we actually sell brooch converters. 
and it's like a little tube that actually goes on the area that holds the little catch in place. Yes. And in that case, when you put it on, it holds it in place. And we saw these very elegant gold and silver wire collar necklaces that sort of give the illusion of a floating necklace. Mm -hmm. So you create an instant statement piece by attaching your favorite brooch to it. Likewise, there are a lot of really great pieces that we talk about quality. Yesterday, I talked a little bit about this with someone else and speaking of brooches. So I did something now, if this comes back later, but this is this time of year mm -hmm. where I was debunking the myths about giving secondhand or pre-loved gifts to somebody during the holiday season. And one of the examples I actually used was give a brooch. Brooches are elegant. They are associated with a timeless, elegant era. They are most likely a very fine quality, which makes them you know, very unique. I always say to people, if it looks this good, 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now, you have a piece of high quality. You don't even get that with when you go to the cash wrap station today when you're searching and you're out in regular boutiques. Mm -hmm. And then there is that factor of being unique. You don't walk into very many department stores, even fine jewelry stores, or even places that specialize in jewelry and accessories. If they have a brooch counter or a brooch section, it's usually about this big. Mm -hmm. So if you're really trying to find something, they're wonderful because they have lots of versatility. You don't just have to wear them as a brooch. Mm -hmm. This is a wonderful company called Maps and Mary. She sells velvet clutches and they actually are intended to be able to wear brooches on them. Brooches look stunning tucked into people's hair. That's another wonderful way that if you wear your hair back and if you wear French twists, things like that, same thing, you can just stick it right through right above the ponytail. Uh, they make wonderful functional accessories to close your cloak, your pashmina. Uh, it's there's so many different ways to wear a brooch. It's by far always my favorite accessory to recommend people who just want to get a collection started or people who are interested in giving someone a piece of vintage jewelry as a gift. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are such great ideas. And I love the, what you just showed us and shared with us how versatile brooches can be because a lot of, a lot of people think, you know, oh, that was my grandmother. She wore those all the time on her coats. Well, they don't just have to be for your coats or your jackets, just like you shared with us on, on the clutch and in your, in your hair. What great ideas. I love that. I think it's very important when we're preserving part of a fashion legacy to think of ways that we can use things in its authentic state, but use it in different ways. Mm -hmm. I, I understand the places of taking things apart. I understand ways of updating things, but I also believe that when we explore the different ways that we can use things for different styles, again, we're increasing the value of something that you might've not seen the value in before. So mm -hmm. exactly. I think another um, benefit of the costume jewelry, especially the brooches and the earrings and the necklaces, because they're not worn on the hands, they are preserved. They're, they're more well-preserved as far as 
the gold plating and the condition of the stones, there may not be as many rings and bracelets will get the most wear because it's on our hands and um, our wrists going against uh, keyboards and just day-to-day -day wear. Whereas a brooch and earrings, those are going to be preserved a lot better. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of things to keep in mind with that. Uh, some things to keep in consideration is that how you take care of things regardless of what type of jewelry it is will affect the ability to have it look the way that it does mm -hmm. and then of course I remind people that there's a mindful aspect of things most of us don't wear the same costume jewelry piece every day mm -hmm. I mean usually most people who enjoy vintage jewelry enjoy the versatility of having so many different things available to them again another entire tray of things. And so people really love to accessorize with things based on color, based on size. So keeping that in mind, you, you might really wear, only wear a bracelet or a ring once in a while, a cocktail ring or a thick bracelet or things like that. So I wouldn't necessarily say move away from those things either. Just remember that there's a place to wear them as a statement piece whenever you want to. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really good advice. Let's back up a minute. And you shared with us a lot of great tips and ideas on how to wear brooches and some of the other items. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with Vintage Meat Modern. Well, I like to say that it was a threefold sort of a trinity of things that kind of came together. I absolutely fell in love with jewelry as a child because my grandmother always wore it. Regardless of what she was doing, she always wore a strand of pearls. So when she was cooking or when she was getting dressed to go out, she had this very luxurious elegance essence about her. And naturally as a child, I thought that a lot of her power actually was with these beautiful pearls and things and the way she wore them. Mm -hmm. So later in life, that was something that as I became a young woman and my grandmother had passed away, I wanted to feel that same power and connection. And so I actually asked for her pearls when she passed away and I wore them on my eighth grade graduation. I wore them on my high school graduation. I wore them on my college graduation day. I wore them on my first job interview. And so that really speaks to the value of falling in love with jewelry because of the sentimental aspect. You naturally feel connected to someone who gave you strength or reminds you of happy memories. Right. So that was the first part about it. The second part about it is, is that I had a very successful career being a personal shopper and a stylist, and I specialized in designer and fine jewelry. It was a little bit of an interesting way that I naturally worked with a lot of different women of different walks of life. And when you work in a personal shopping situation, you want to always inspire customers to find what they want, even if they don't know what they want. You want to help them be naturally attracted to the things that are going to help them achieve personal style that will make them look and feel their best. Well, being this way, naturally what I learned was that jewelry and accessories had a way of making a woman light up and feel and look her best. And as I mentioned earlier, it always fit. So that was the beauty of working with a older, very established, esteemed customer with classic style 
but not wanting to go into a dressing room, you know, not wanting to have to go through all that, or maybe being very confident in the clothing that they picked, but just looking for something different to change it. On the other hand, I had wonderful opportunities to work with women who are pregnant. <laughs> I, I still, I tell this wonderful story about how that I had a customer who was pregnant with triplets. Her husband was a doctor. He was gonna accept this big award and she came running in and she said, nothing fits. She was, I have one black dress. It's the same black dress that I wear all the time. I can't believe I'm gonna have to stand with him. And you know what? We just picked the most stunning jewelry for her. And she said, I haven't felt this good my entire pregnancy. And that meant the world to me. So I saw this natural progression of how that jewelry could really be a catalyst for women looking and feeling their best. Mm -hmm. So when I left my career at Neiman's, I did have several clients stay in touch with me and they were looking to downsize collections because they were either moving or it was just time. And so I started dabbling in researching the pieces that were valuable. And as I like to put it, rehoming them. So. Uh In the very beginning, it was taking collections and then working with people that I already knew, but eventually it grew into something where I took advantage of being an e-commerce pioneer (laughs) since e-commerce didn't really exist the way that it does today. And I found as many outlets as I could to talk about vintage jewelry in the online space and then make it available for purchase. But I do sell a product, but I always remind people helping people look and feel their best or the styling aspect is always at the root of what I do. So you can feel good about knowing that whatever you pick for me, I'll inspire you and I'll show you how to wear it. I love that. That's so important because someone can see something and say, I love it. I want it, but I, I don't know. I don't know when or where I'm going to wear it, but to have someone like you take them to the next step and help them, just like you said, inspire them in different ways to wear these items, um, to dress them up, to dress them down or, you know, for a special occasion, like a wedding or, um, a formal event, wear a brooch in their hair, just like we were talking about earlier. Um, that is such a valuable service because people, unfortunately, that's how a lot of people end up with a lot of jewelry is they like it, they love it, but they are not, they don't really know how to wear it. So that's so, so great that you can help, help people with that. Likewise, it goes the other way too. You know, when we talk about inheriting boxes of things or going back through things, There was another important lesson related to a styling client who held on to a lot of things, even though they were designer things saying, I invested a lot in this like 20 or 30 years ago. I'm not ready to let it go. It wasn't the same thing as just purging a closet. And so similar to finding different ways to wear jewelry, we had to come up with different ways to retell the story of how something from the past could be used current today. Mm-hmm. That also plays into a lot when people inherit a box of things and they say the same thing. This is very sentimental to me, but it's not my style or I don't know what to wear it with or when I would wear it. And so it's important to embrace those types of scenarios as well, because I always say, and I know you do too, really when the invaluable part comes out is when you just let it sit in a drawer and you don't do anything with it. Right, right. Exactly. So can you show us a few of your uh, tips that you can share with our listeners on how to detect jewelry 
that's costume, but good costume jewelry. What are some of the common things that people might um, come to you with and say, I have these things, but I have no idea what to, what they are or what to do with them. Can you tell us some, some telltale signs to look for on the jewelry? Absolutely. There are a lot of different things to keep in mind, but I always tell people the most obvious one is that if you can look at the label on the back of your clothes, that many times, even when looking through pieces, there are, this one's got kind of a shine to it, but you can see there's a little cartouche here. And that actually has the symbol for KJL. So that's Kenneth J. Lane. And that's your first indicator of being able to distinguish what might be a value. We all have access to Google. If you went and you typed in Kenneth J. Lane, you would see, oh, this was a prominent designer in the vintage jewelry and in the designer jewelry world. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can either type in vintage and see if maybe a design like this is reminiscent of something that's in the past. Kenneth J. Lane actually still makes jewelry, so you can see if it's something that's more current. But keep in mind, if you're going through something that you haven't gone through in a long time, chances are it may fall into that 20 years or old category so that naturally gravitates towards the vintage area. Okay. But jewelry usually has markings that are similar to the way that we look at things when they say 925. This is a little Miriam Haskell uh, inscription on it. Miriam Haskell, again, if you go ahead and if you were to look up a little bit online, you'll see that Miriam Haskell was a very prominent jewelry designer in which people find it very collectible. Again, there are different levels of pieces that are related to being collectible. Certain ones are more collectible than others. But again, the marking on the back should give you a better example of what might be the value. Sometimes you get lucky. And this piece, I'm going to show you, it says Laguna right on it. Uh Uh, This is an example of something that we might find that we call new old stock. Sometimes people call it dead stock. I really don't like that term. (laughs) So I am always one that refers to it as new old stock. So these are earrings that were actually on the original card. And it says Laguna right on there. You can confirm that they're also Laguna because it says on the back of the clips. But again, this is like being able to look up a maker's mark or the tag on a clothing where if you can identify what it is. Uh, You can certainly go on a little bit of a treasure hunt or a little bit of an investigator and you can start to see where these pieces might might fall. And depending on your level of wanting to learn more about the pieces individually, there are some other great resources that I really like to mention and tell people about. Sure. So the first of which is that vintage jewelry or jewelry in general is very collectible. And just like there are books on coin collecting and toy trains and uh, all kinds of different things, there are lots and lots of books that have been written by people who have worked for jewelry companies when they were in business, uh, people who have been esteemed collectors their entire life. And these books have wonderful information that if you're trying to figure out more about the tags, you literally can look up and you can see examples of those pieces. So like, this is a great one. This is the costume jewelry book. This is written actually by a very reputable vintage jewelry historian, Pamela Wiggins. She's somebody who you can still look up. She writes for several other publications, Uh, but the pieces are lovely. 
And, you know, she even gives examples of the value in the current market. Like I said, you have to take into account when some of these books were published. Uh, some mm -hmm. of the best books are actually 40 years old, like Collecting Costume Jewelry 101, 202. But, you know, you can find information about pieces that are very similar. You know, this is a Vendome brooch and right on the information, it says that the value is between $100 and $135. And for those people who are, again, bringing something into the jewelry store, you look at things a little differently when somebody says, okay, it's a piece of costume jewelry. But then when they tell you that it falls into the $100 and $125 range, doesn't that suddenly make you think that it might be a little more valuable, even though you don't have a piece of fine jewelry? Yes, absolutely. It does. And I think people, there is something to be said, even with looking on the internet, there's something to be said for seeing it in print. <laughs> when you see it actually in print, you think to yourself, this is, this is kind of interesting. So depending on, depending on what level of learning you want to do about pieces that you might either have sitting in your jewelry box or you collected or you stumble across it, you know, remember there are many wonderful uh, places that, you know, we just mentioned being naturally attracted to something. You might visit an antique or a vintage show, might even be strolling through a flea market or the thrift shop, you may wind up going to a fine jewelry department and find out that they have a small collection of estate jewelry within their cases and things like that. There are many opportunities to find these pieces, quote, out in the wild. So if you find something and there is a tag on it or some form of identification, that is always the first opportunity to do a little homework. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and, and there's lots of different ways. You know, this one is uh, YSL. So this is an Yves Saint Laurent. So again, this falls into the designer category. Uh, I'd like to tell you just a very quick story about one of my best finds ever. Sure. So this is a French designer necklace that was the predecessor to Chanel. Okay. Yeah. So this necklace is a 1940s, 1950s era. It features beautiful repose style beads and pearls. Again, this is one of my, and it weighs, <laughs> you can feel the quality, but I went to a vintage furniture store and this piece was laying on the vanity. And I came up to the shop owner and I said, how much do you want for the necklace? And he said, well, he goes, I'm really not selling the necklace. He goes, it's just out there for display to show, show people that this is like a, a vanity for like a bedroom or something like that. And I said, well, I'm really interested in it. I said, would you consider selling it to me? And he said, you know what? Sure. He goes, how about $10? This necklace is worth $3,500. It has a very, very tiny class that is, uh, identifies it as the Rousseau designer. It's a super, super tiny on the inside, uh, made in France. And you better believe that when I saw that and I knew what it was, I hightailed it out of there so fast and ran <laughs> to my car that he wouldn't be able to find me and change his mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. I bet. I mean, how, how hard was it to keep your composure? And oh, it, believe me. I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, here's the $10. I got to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> but that's what it, but here's a perfect example of that though. So I think that that can be clue number two. First, mm -hmm. of course, you're looking for a signature. And, you know, if you really think to yourself, well, even by rubbing the piece of the back of something, well, it's raised, it feels like there might be a mark on the back of here. 
get yourself a cheap jewelry loop from Amazon, mm -hmm. you know, and you'll be able to see what's written on the back of it easier. Uh, and that'll certainly be a clue. The other thing though is quality. Like I mentioned, this necklace, you can uh, just, just by holding it, you can feel that it is something. Maybe not fine jewelry, but you can definitely tell that this is a high-end quality piece. Right. So when you're looking for things or you're going through things, you can naturally divide things up into two piles and think to yourself, this is so intricately made that this must be a piece of better quality. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk about assigning specific values to things, but when we're talking about what to be looking for in terms of what might be valuable, quality always plays a factor. And okay. it, it can run the gamut. You know, this bracelet is a cable style bracelet. It is signed on the inside. It's a French designer. It's a 24 karat gold plate. Uh, somebody might not think that it's a valuable piece, but it's a quality piece. Mm -hmm. So again, that's something that goes to that, you know, it's something that will always stay really nice like this as long as you take care of it. But I also like to talk to people about how that some pieces were so well-made, like Panetta's tagline. Panetta was a very famous um, costume and designer jeweler in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And it was, all of our pieces have the look of real. And they prided themselves on casting molds from fine and real jewelry, but then using less expensive materials in it to create it. Okay. And so the whole idea was that you could mix your fine with your costume jewelry together and nobody would know the difference. Right, right. I love that. I especially appreciate heavy pieces like that because if that were truly real made with 14 or 18 karat gold, not many people would find that to be accessible. Not many people would be able to afford something like that. So you get that luxurious feel. It also is so much more versatile because then you can have more in your wardrobe and not have to spend the money on the, um, the expensive jewelry. Yeah. Well, and also another really important thing to keep in mind going right about that is that vintage jewelry and costume jewelry is rooted actually in historical fashion. When the war went on and precious metals became a premium and we didn't have as much access to them, some of the finest fashion designers in the world, they gravitated towards materials that could be used in place of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chanel was actually a very famous person for that. So keeping that in mind, many jewelers that even came over from the fine jewelry world had a background in that, but they were trying to recreate designs that were actually in keeping with fine jewelry. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we find these very meticulously designed pieces. And that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, back there behind me, I have a picture of Chanel and she is admiring a Vidora cup, you know, and Vidora was the historic Italian designer who designed the cups for her. If you go on the David Webb website, a Vidora cup is $55,000. <laughs> if you go on the Signer website or you go on the Kenneth J. Lane website that are pretty familiar for making pieces that are modeled after fine jewelry, uh, you can probably pick one up between 550 and like even $1,000. And even those are very well made because they're multiple casts of gold. Mm -hmm. uh, they're hand set stones. We're not talking about things that are machine made. We're talking about things that have actually been handmade. Uh, so keep that in mind. You know, yes. if you ever see something that you really want, the real thing, 
I don't suggest ever buying counterfeit things, but I will tell you that faux is fabulous. So never underestimate the power of finding the design that you love in a different way. Yes. I love that. That's great advice. So how can people find you and work with you? Do you work with people, a lot of people remotely rather than where you live? I would say, especially because of the things that we've had going on that, yes, you can find me actually remotely. That is the best way. And the, the best way is being able to connect either by Zoom or by pictures. Okay. Uh, I can give lots of styling suggestions. And also, this is another important part of it. If you have a collection in which you feel that you may have things in, rather than taking it to the jewelry store, I do offer services in which you can send me pictures or we can talk about pieces that you have in your collection and I can help you identify them. And if identifying them is not the route that you want to go down, but you're interested in finding ways to incorporate more of these pieces actually in your personal style, I do that a lot also. Okay, wonderful. Well, it's just been such a treat to visit with you, Veronica, and learn more about more about costume jewelry. You've definitely given me um, a stronger appreciation for it, and I'll have a better. Um, it'll it'll be easier for me to work with people when they are going through their things with me, and just encourage them to, to hold on to them and maybe research them themselves. And it's definitely inspired me to do more research on what, what I'm finding in people's collections as well. So I thank you so much for taking time with me today. Oh, it's always a fun time to talk to you as well as listening to you. You are one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. And I'm always interested in the new designers or fine jewelry designers that you're working with as well. There have been some really cool ones, uh, specifically the Crash Jewelry line uh, that I'd never heard of. And I just think that's so neat. Uh, it speaks to the person who loves to see things repurposed mm -hmm. uh, in a way mm -hmm. that will definitely be able to be appreciated again. So, so many fascinating things that we can learn from you and your podcast. So oh, thank you for doing it for us. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. I know I really, I really love finding, finding the designers who are working hard to do something unique and um, whether they, you know, it's, it's in some way or another, they're giving back there. It's a big, it's a big full circle. Just like you said, crash jewelry, she does great things with, with um, car metals. And then so many of the other designers I work with, um, they're, they're more than willing to work with people who have metals and stones as well. Something that I'm going to be talking about a little bit more as we come into the holiday season, encourage people to work with their jewelers and um, special, special designs, custom, custom things. So make sure that you uh, visit Veronica at Vintage Meet Modern. She has a great following and a great feed on Instagram. She is always doing these great, helpful videos and photo shoots. And that's at Vintage Meet Modern. Is that right? Correct. On Instagram? Yes. Yes. Great. And I do have a private Facebook group too. Okay. Uh, which has got 3000 members in it, uh, women from all over the world. And it's a great place that if you are looking to be able to show your collection, but mm -hmm. you're not necessarily wanting to do it through Instagram, or, you know, you feel that you need to keep up with some sort of appearance, 
it's just a great group of women who are real women who love to get together and as I put it, celebrate the joy of jewelry together. So we're always showing our collections. We're always showing different ways of wearing them and we're always cheering each other on. It's a ton of fun. That's neat. I love that. So I'm sure you learn so much too, and you probably vicariously find new collections through what they're finding. That's really neat. I'll have to um, make sure that people know about that. So if they have collections, they can join in. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed my visit with Veronica as much as I enjoyed visiting with her. She is such a delight and such a wealth of information. Be sure you follow her on Instagram at Vintage Meet Modern. She also has a wonderful website where she sells all of the jewelry or similar jewelry to what she was talking about. And I just so enjoyed learning more about the costume jewelry, especially the vintage pieces. I think we all remember grandmothers and aunts all wearing this beautiful jewelry and it, it does, it makes a statement. So thank you so much for tuning in and I'll continue with more stories and visits with jewelry specialists and jewelry designers and be sure to stay tuned and follow me on Instagram. That's mostly where I hang out and most of my current posts are, but I'm also on LinkedIn. And once again, be sure to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, which will be the digital publication. I'll also be sending out um, newsletters attached to Jewelry Navigator Passport as well. So thanks so much for joining me today. And until next time, Take care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.